Hello and welcome back to Christian Sports Bar. Today we've got week three of the preseason and we are just about to kick off on the college football season as well as XFL teams being announced and a few noticeable injury reports. So today it is just me, so we're going to keep it nice, simple, just kind of go on about, yeah, about our subjects here. And so first things first, this episode is brought to you in part by Rolling Rock. If you aren't doing yard work or house chores and drinking that green signature can, I don't trust you, to be honest. And here's the reason why. You can pick up a 18 rack at 7-Eleven for $9.99 today. Go grab yourself one and mow your lawn. Do yourself a favor. So, <clears throat> getting right into it, folks. Let's start talking about uh, Daniel Jones in the preseason. So, as I talked about before on the show, Daniel Jones has been a subject among, you know, even Baker Mayfield having his comments be, I mean, obviously they were blown out of proportion here and they don't have any problems, but you can see that Daniel Jones is still a noticeable subject in football. So with that being said, it goes to, you know, it all comes down to how the player performs in the preseason. That is why the preseason is important. And I say it week in and week out. And I won't talk too much about the preseason this week just because it's it's starting to become a drag. And, and you know, preseason's not really <clears throat> the most exciting of subjects. So <laughs> we'll keep it brief on the preseason. But with that being said, Daniel Jones is having a is having a fairly good or not a fairly good. He's having a very good preseason. And I think it's catching a lot of people off guard. And another thing is, is everybody understands is, yes, it is, you know, <clears throat> it is preseason and he is playing against second and third and fourth stringers. But when it comes down to it, here's his numbers. 25 for 30 on throwing the ball for 369 yards and two touchdowns, throwing zero interceptions. And I think coming out, with a preseason like that, three weeks in, you've got no interceptions, you're 25 for 30, 369 yards. I would say that Daniel Jones should be feeling pretty good about himself and pretty confident. Another thing is, is Eli Manning is, is not going to make it through the entire season. Everybody knows that just because of 16 years in the league and the decreasing play of Eli Manning himself is just kind of, it's been going downhill slowly but surely every single season, and I don't know why or how he's still playing, but I don't expect him to be playing past week four this season. And earlier in the Beefy Boys, we were talking about Eli Manning because Joe's a Giants fan, or was a Giants fan. Um, I said that Daniel Jones was going to be playing week six. I am going to change that to week four now because of the way that he's playing in the preseason, and this leaves zero room for error for Eli Manning. And <clears throat> so, and, and I mean, everybody's seen the photo of Daniel Jones getting just swarmed by the press 
after his preseason game last night and Eli tying his shoes by himself. It's it's sad. But notice, noticeable injury of last night's uh, preseason games is Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is out with a ankle sprain. They're, they're not too sure if it's going to be lasting into week one of the season. And to be honest, I don't believe that Cam Newton should play week one of the season. He shouldn't have played in the preseason at all, seeing that he's had the ankle injury this, you know, during training camp and, and getting into the preseason. He shouldn't have played in last night's game because, as everybody knows, in football you get hit and starting quarterbacks can get injured in the preseason. I was actually pretty shocked to see Russell Wilson go out there and play against Minnesota. It kind of threw me off, to be honest, because I didn't think Russell Wilson was going to play a single down this preseason, and that's just mainly because um, he just signed the contract and the Seahawks don't want to run the risk. Nobody wants to lose their star player in the fucking preseason. I mean, that's pretty much about as obvious as you can get. So with that being said, I think I'm going to roll out to the Seahawks news of David Moore. He will not be David Moore, wide receiver for the Seahawks. It's not looking like he's going to be ready for week one due to a shoulder injury that he took in last week's game in Minnesota or Sunday's game in Minnesota, I guess last week's, but however you put it in Minnesota, he fucked up his shoulder and will not be ready for week one. That kind of leaves room for wide receivers like DK Metcalf to come out strong after his knee surgery and play. It also leaves rooms for uh, John Ursua, the slot receiver from Hawaii that the Seahawks are using right now. And I believe that he's going to be a good a good threat down in the middle of the field and also with the tight ends. I don't think that David Moore being out of the lineup is going to be too big of a problem. You can see in last year's Seahawks season that once David Moore was taken out of the equation of the offense and once Russell Wilson started targeting him less, you could see the decline in the passing game when it came to big games. And that's not saying that Russell Wilson didn't have a tremendous year last year just because David Moore wasn't being targeted or that Tyler Lockett didn't have an incredible year. But what I mean by passing game is the Seahawks went more to the conservative running style of play that everybody that's a Seahawks fan is used to seeing and that is that that was I believe the importance of David Moore in that offense was having that versatility wide receiver that they could put with you know Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett all in the same field it could be you never know who's going to catch the deep ball it was, it was a solid offense, and I do believe that David Moore will have a chance to play again and get have, an, have more chances for big games. So we'll, we'll see how he, how he comes back after a shoulder injury. You know, nobody wants to rush through a shoulder injury and come back and re-injure it again, and unfortunately it's, it's the Doug Baldwin effect where you get injured in one spot of your body, you go out and play, and you injure another one, and now you're fucked up in two parts of your body, and you can't recover properly, and then you go out and play, and then you worsen those two injuries. And it, it's it's sad to see injuries in football. 
and that is why people do not like uh, NFL preseason because star players can go out and get hurt or they can pull hamstrings or however you put it. Things can go wrong, but just like Vito and I discussed last week, things can go wrong week one through 16 and then into the extended months or into the extended weeks for the playoffs. Anything can happen. So moving on from the preseason, I know that nobody's very interested in that, but one thing I will say about last night's football games is the Raiders and Packers game in Winnipeg. I don't know if anybody was watching the game or if anybody saw the news. It was all it was plastered all over the place that they had to play on an 80-yard field. And a lot of people don't understand why or what happened with that. But the big reason why they played on the on the shorter field is because in Canadian Football League, they have the goalposts on the 0-yard line. So with that or not the 0-yard line, sorry, the end zone they have it right on the line on the end zone, and it's 110 yards for their field. So they had to accommodate for that. Nobody wants to be ran into the. Nobody wants to run into the goalpost. So they just had to move the yard or move the field back and shrink it to 80 yards. Uh, Raiders pulled away with that one. We'll be seeing that on Hard Knocks come Tuesday night at 10 o'clock on HBO. And I can't wait because I think that Hard Knocks this year has been pretty fun, especially with this whole Antonio Brown debacle and. You know, Antonio Brown's a big subject that we've been talking about, not only here on this show, but we're talking about it on the Beefy Boys as well. And honestly, I don't understand how a player like Antonio Brown can really... Okay, I know that he's great, but I don't understand how a player like him can just take what he has and go out there and play with a helmet that's safer for him. Granted, he has played with the same helmet for 10 years, and it's a connection that he has, and he's been great for the last 10 years, but honestly, things change, and the game is changing for safety, and when they give you a safer helmet, it's kind of understandable why you should switch, and it's because they're trying to protect your brain so that you don't get all fucked up and, you know, get CTE and shit, and that's a major issue in the NFL, and that's a big conflict that we can get into in a different episode. We can talk about CTE and and football safety, but most likely at the end of the season, now that things are ramping up, I don't really want to spend time talking about the dangers of playing football just because it just sounds fucking dumb. So we are going to transition over to college football. So NCAA football kicks off this weekend. It is right now, it is Friday, and... It's Friday the, oh shit, Friday the 23rd. Sorry, I blanked out there for a second because it's just too many days. Anyway, football kicks off tomorrow at 4 p.m. with Miami, Florida playing number eight Florida Gators. So, the U going against the Gators is going to be a cool way to bring in the college football season. Everybody's excited for it. Everybody that loves football tends to usually like college football a little bit more than the NFL because there are things like the you know these players don't get played or paid but they're essentially working a job interview if you will for the NFL and once these players do go from college to the NFL they end up getting 
usually exactly what they want unless freak injuries and or personal issues or whatever you have it. But that, you know, the controversy of not paying the athletes is it's a big one. And I do believe that athletes should get compensation for at least for something just to help them through, you know, help them through college and get, you know, getting taken care of. And I do believe they do with financial aid and with uh, food. I do believe they get compensated for football. I'm not entirely sure. I have to interview a college football player to really find out how that kind of works. But either way you put it, people who don't play college football tend to criticize it for not paying their athletes. But these guys are still going out there and playing every Saturday for their universities, for their cities, and just all for the love of the game of football. And I do think that college football games are more entertaining than NFL games. I do love the Huskies like a ton, and I love the Seahawks a lot. But when it comes down to it, I do believe that college football is a sport that if there's a football game on, I will watch from from the start to finish of each game that I possibly can for college football because these guys really play their asses off and it, it it's a lot of fun to see and the hits are are great and they're they're getting better at hitting so it's not all targeting and obviously Washington football went through a shit streak from you know the mid 2000s from essentially their their reign ended in the early 2000s and around 2001 and after that it's been it was shit for the for the Huskies for a while and then now the Huskies are finally proving their worth. And so let's let's talk about the top 25. I'm not going to spend too much time on this and I'm not going to make it too big of a list. I don't want to just fucking spout off list here, but I'm going to go from, I'm going to do these in fives and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So number 25, Stanford, number 24, Nebraska, number 23, Washington state, number 22, Syracuse, number 21, Iowa state, number 20, Iowa. And I, I think that each of these rankings is pretty accurate and pretty good. I am pretty shocked to see Washington State be so high ranked and that's not just because Huskies fans hating Wazoo but it's just mainly because I I, I mean I have to learn a little bit more about the the Cougars but I just don't know losing Gardner Minshew you don't know who's going to be a quarterback and Mike Leach being the crazy coach that he is you just never know the the season that they're going to have they could start off really shitty and then end it strong, or they can start off strong and then just end the season in a disaster, kind of how it's been in the in the recent years. And with Stanford being number 25, I do love the idea of Pac-12 teams being in the top top 25, just mainly because it it kind of brings them into the spotlight a little bit more, and especially with these fucking Pac-12 games that are going on at around 7 o'clock for kickoff. It's, it's just exhausting on a Saturday to to watch a football game from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. It's a little bit too... It's a little bit too late for me. and or not, for, not for me, but it's a little bit too late for folks, to be honest. And 
I just think that with the Pac-12 being more in the spotlight, it'll help with that issue. But I do also think that the Pac-12 needs to step up its game, and that's, you know, Huskies, Oregon, all those guys included, they need to pick up the slack, especially in the bowl games when they play against east side teams. They really need to pick up the slack on those ends because the Huskies haven't been able to deliver a big win against SEC teams or any of that matter. And they had the chance to take Alabama, or not Alabama, but that that was a chance, but that was a few years ago. We're not going to talk about that. But what we will talk about is the chance to play and beat Auburn. Granted, the neutral field was not as neutral as some would think, having it be that they played in Atlanta against a team that plays about 40 minutes from Atlanta or so, you know, give or take. Either way, the Huskies still had to fly across the country and go into a different time zone. And for obviously for them, it's not an excuse, but for fans, can <laughs> we can use anything we can get our hands on. So with that being said, we're going to move on. Um... Number 19 is Wisconsin, number 18 is Michigan State, number 17 is UCF, number 16 is Auburn, and number 15 is Penn State. Um, I like the placing of these two, or uh, of these ones as well. I probably, I do like UCF, and I do like what they've been doing, but they also don't really play anybody that strong, and I understand that they have played and beat Auburn, and they had an undefeated season. But when it comes down to it, looking at their schedule, it's just not as strong as some of these other teams, and it's just not as – I don't believe it's as worthy of being playoff team. And I do think that if they were to go into the playoffs, they would get smokehoused by bigger teams like Clemson and Alabama. But – the reason why the college football playoffs is so important is because that if a team like UCF were to go to the playoffs, they could actually have the chance to to prove themselves and to prove to people like me or to prove to people that don't think that UCF is, is well-deserving to be in the top four, they have that opportunity to lay it all out on the field or they have the opportunity to get fucking steamrolled. You just never know. And the Huskies had the opportunity to play Alabama, which is something that in 2016, that's that's what the Huskies wanted. They had to play, or they had to play in Atlanta again, and it, it was a good game to say the least, especially from somebody who thought that it was going to be close. I was happy to see that the game was as close as it was, especially hearing that Washington was going to get blown out. Anyway... You see, you can see I'm talking about Washington so much just because it's always on my fucking mind. Anyway, stretch here and move, move my ass a little bit. Um, Auburn, I don't believe, will move up from the top 16, or maybe they will because they are, you know, Auburn and and you know the East Coast writers love these guys, and and everybody loves fucking East Coast team. So what I'm going to say is is I don't think that they're going to make it up probably into the top 10 going into their season or deeper into their season. And so Penn State, I like where they're at. I think it's deserving of where they're at. So let's get into – now let's get down to 15 to 10. This is going to be where 
there's a lot of good beef here with this one, and, and like there's a lot of juicies here. So number 14 is Utah. Number 13 is Washington. Number 12 is Texas A&M. Number 11 is Oregon. And number 10 is Texas. I love all of the placements for these teams. I think that these are perfect spots for every single one of these. I do think that Texas is going to move up eventually. And I also believe that Oregon is going to move up and the Huskies. I believe that Utah is going to stay from, you know, 14 to about 16 or 17. I don't see them dropping into the 20s or even dropping unranked just because of the defenses that they've been able to build there in Utah and the offense it it does tend to get rolling in the middle of the year. So I don't see Utah dropping below 20. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see. And I, you know, I I love Pac-12 football. And I love the Washington-Utah rivalry, and I believe that them being 14 and the Huskies being 13 makes it fun. Granted, it's not going to be that way when they play each other in the season, but you never know. It, it could possibly be 13 or 14. You, you know, you never know. They could be one-off when they play again, or the Huskies could be lower-ranked, or they could be lower-ranked. You just never know with college football. Uh, Oregon, they will move up. I believe that... Herbert and the running game with that offensive line is going to be solid this year. I do think that I traveled to Eugene last year for the Huskies-Oregon game, and it was probably the most fun I've had at a college experience, and I do think that the, I do think that the Huskies crowd needs to <laughs> definitely step it up after being in, in Autzen, and I do give my hats off to, those, to the wonderful crowd there that, that you know, talk shit to me, threw popcorn at me, threw sunflower seeds. But as soon as the game was over, it was all hugs, and everybody was just just glad they saw a great football game. And it was a terrific game, trust me. It was great. But I had to watch everybody storm the field in the stands, and uh, that sucked. Moving on. I'm going to go from number nine, Notre Dame, number eight, Florida, number seven, Michigan, Number six, LSU. Number five, Ohio State. Florida will not stay at number eight. I don't believe that they're going to be a top ten team here within the first three weeks of the season. I just don't think that. I think that Florida is a little bit, uh, how should I say, over, god damn, I'm blanking out on the word. But they're they're overrated. There we go. Overrated. Michigan, another team that I believe is overrated, and they almost made the college football playoffs last year, almost, but Jim Harbaugh still has yet to really kind of, I, I don't know how to say it, but it just seems like Michigan kind of loses the games that are the most important to Michigan, and also they tend to lose scrub matches too, and you never know with Michigan and they also still need to beat Ohio State. They got to get that taken care of. So Ohio State being number five, I'll take it. It's Ohio State. Everybody knew that they're going to be up there in the ranks, and they had the great bowl game against the Huskies, and that was a fun game to watch too. Dwayne Haskins and Jake Browning battling it out. And so I, I think that Ohio State will stay in the top ten. They they are a good football team. They 
they will most likely be top 10 playoffs. I don't know yet. We will have to see. Number four, Oklahoma. Number three, Georgia. Number one, or number two, Alabama. And number one, Clemson. So everybody kind of saw this coming. There's not very much explanations that I need to do for these teams because if you're the top four, you were most likely the top four last year. So with that being said, I don't need to talk too much about these guys. And I think Oklahoma's a great football team. Georgia's a great football team. Alabama, obviously, being a fucking great football team. And they will end up being number one probably at after week two or three. But that's not because Clemson loses. That's just because Alabama will be undefeated and they'll put them in there uh, at number one just because it's Alabama. But that's just me being a sour, salty little bitch about Alabama. <laughs> but hats off to them because those guys play their asses off and they, they fucking deserve to be they deserve to be that high up. And there's a reason why they're that good, and that's because of Nick Saban. So to all my Alabama fans, roll tide roll. Let's move on to XFL. I know a topic that not everybody is too hyped on or enthusiastic as I am, but I am extremely excited for the XFL, just mainly because it's more football. Obviously, as a football guy, and this being a, a big sports project that we're working on here at the Beefy Boys, is it's more coverage for us, and it's more things for me to research, and it's, it's just something that's exciting to the city of Seattle to have a XFL team. I know the AAF was a complete disaster, and I will have a, an episode on the AAF. That will be something worth talking about. Like I said, a lot of these in-depth episodes will be after the football season when we can focus a little bit more on having it be on one topic of football or, or other discussions. So, the XFL teams. Um, there is eight teams in the XFL. And with that being said, there's... Uh, there's the Dallas Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, L.A. Wildcats, the New York Guardians, St. Louis Battlehawks, Seattle Dragons, and Tampa Bay Vipers. And the Seattle Dragons, of course, is coached by the Seahawks legend Jim Zorn, which is a lot of fun. It's exciting. And I do believe that they're going to be playing in CenturyLink, so it's going to be fun. They lit up the uh, Seattle... Uh, Ferris wheel for the XFL team for the Dragons and the colors are uh, the colors aren't spectacular, but you know what? It's more football in the PNW, and I cannot fucking wait. And I will be getting a jersey just because it's outrageous and XFL is extreme and fun. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it it's more structured than the AAF and doesn't fucking collapse after eight weeks, and players actually get taken care of if they get injured. Um, it was it, w- it was pretty disappointing to see that the AAF kind of collapsed the way that it did, but everybody kind of had that feeling from, from right off the bat when it just kind of wasn't funded properly. It wasn't fully structured. It just kind of seemed like the, you know, it was the week after the Super Bowl. So the week after probably, I would say, one of the most boring Super Bowls to date, they released a new football league. So week one, there was big hits, there was big plays, and it looked like it was going to be a lot of fun, and it looked like it was going to be 
something that we could all get on board with with more football after the season. Surely enough, the game started to decline in, I would say, entertainment. It just seemed like the games were a bunch of preseason games. But I still watched it, and I still had fun just because it was it was football during Super Swipe Sundays for our frequent guest on the Beefy Boys Mark. And so it was just a background thing, and it was it was just something that we could keep keep watching while we waited for the NFL to kind of develop more and, and get close to the draft time. So I, I thought it was going to be something that would get us to at least like a, a full season so that way we could have a full season of extra football while we wait for the NFL. And so I was completely wrong. It fucking shut down and was a total disaster. But um, yeah, so next week the Huskies open up here in uh, – Alaska Airlines Field, and they're going to be playing Eastern Washington University, which is going to be a lot of fun. I like watching the Eagles play, and if I have the chance to see them on TV, I will. And I do know that some of the sports uh, sports bar fans are Eagles fans, so I will tell you guys this much. Um, good luck on Saturday. Have fun at the game. It's going to be a total blast. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Eagles will walk away with this one. But I do think that they will. Uh, I do think that they'll have a a a few touchdowns in in later in the uh, later in the game. And with the Huskies, uh, one last breaking news with the Huskies is that they have announced the starter for the season, and it was something that everybody kind of already knew, but it was something that wasn't official. So. Just today, like actually, like about while I was setting up the microphones and shit, uh, Jacob Eason is a starting quarterback for the Huskies, and he won the QB battle over Jake Hayner, who everybody kind of saw coming. And it's not really a big shock, but like I said, it wasn't set in stone; it wasn't official. And one thing I will say about the Seahawks game on Sunday, jumping back to the jumping back over so many subjects, but I'm about to wrap it up here. But jumping back over so many subjects, something to really watch is Hugo Amadi's hit on the punt return against Minnesota. It was one of the most textbook tackles that you could see on a kickoff. It was just such a phenomenal tackle. And the guy has been shining in practice. So it's something for Seahawks fans to be excited for. It's something for Oregon fans to be excited for. And with that being said, folks, I'm going to keep this one easy breezy, 30 minutes, get you on your way and have you enjoy your weekend. Kickoff for college football tomorrow starts at four o'clock and we will see you next week. Thank you.